Thank you, Daniel. My name is Ron Cole, and I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside. And uh, again, it's a joy to welcome all of you here. Uh, a tough week this week, um, and we just continue to covet your prayers for Jeannie, for Shelly, for the family, and um, for us. On Tuesday, we have this service, and it's, uh, we know that Jesus Christ is the ultimate victor, and uh, that we can, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And so we're, we're going to hold on to that. There are a couple of things maybe you can do if you want to help out um, on Tuesday. We do need some uh, baked goods. Um, cakes, cookies. There's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer um, that if you want to help out that way. We're also going to uh, have the service here. Visitation is going to be here, and so if, if you're going to be here and would like to help with ushering, we need a few people who can help with that as well, and so um, if you can do that, that would be great. Uh, call the church office tomorrow, and you can let us know, so appreciate that very much. We're going to continue this morning as we do turn our hearts to God's Word, and, and again, life goes on, and we continue to face challenges and so on, but we're going to continue to work our way through the book of Ephesians in this series that we're calling Finding Our Place. And uh, just to give you a kind of an idea of, of where we are as we go through this whole book, we started in the first three chapters about saying, you know, Paul says we got to know who we are. And, and we talk about being saved by God's grace. We talk about recognizing that we were dead in our sins, but now are alive by, through Jesus Christ and that, and that he's going to hold on to us. And it's not anything we've done that saves us. It's not anything that we have done that makes us better than anybody else, but it's all by God's grace. And he's given us new life through Jesus Christ, and he's brought us into the family through Jesus Christ. And then at chapter 4, Paul turns and say, says, you know, now let's talk about living it out. Now let's talk about what it looks like. And the specific section we're in now, we have been the last couple weeks, is, is a section where Paul says, let's live it out in relationships, okay? Let, let's look about how, how it makes a difference in how we live in various relationships. If, if we belong to Jesus Christ, how does any of that change? How does any of that look different? And, and we said that there was just one basic rule for every Christian that Paul started in this section. It really runs through the whole theme, and that is that submit to one another, serve one another out of reverence for Christ. If we believe that Jesus Christ came to serve us, that God himself is a servant, that God himself is somebody who gives himself for us, he now says, now you do that for others. Knowing that you're secure in my love, knowing that you're secure in my, my, my death and resurrection, now you can serve others. You can submit yourself to others. You can put the needs of others before yourself. And then we talked about how that makes a difference with husbands and wives and, and how in marriage we're called to just be passionate about serving each other, passionate about trying to lift up our spouses. We talked about with parents and children that our role is not to use others to make our lives better, but to, but to serve and, and this morning we talk about it, well, the language that Paul uses is slaves and masters, and I don't want to go into all the kind of transitions and so on, but just trust me, what, what for us it really is talking about is bosses and workers, okay? Talking about our work relationships. Paul says if, if, if we are in Christ, it will make a difference in how we work, and, and specifically in how we treat others at work. And, and whenever the Bible says anything about work, it's really important for us to pay attention, I, I just kind of ran across some of these facts this week about work. Uh, the fact of the matter is that the average person in the United States, the average person will spend over 90,000 hours at work in a lifetime. Now, it doesn't say working, but you'll be at work for 90,000 hours, right? Uh, some of you are really good at being at work but not working. But 90,000 hours, if you figure that out and you did it straight, it's 10.3 years. 10.3 years total. It's the thing, the, the activity in your life that you'll do second most. 
Number one, sleeping. You'll sleep about 25 hours, about a third of your life. And if you live 75 years, that's 25 years of, of sleeping. The next thing that, that will occupy the most of your time is work. All right, that is the thing that will occupy the most of your time. And then if we go to those prime earning years, between 25 and 60, work takes over sleep on days uh, for the most of the week. I mean, on the weekends, sleep catches up a little bit. But for the most part, if you're between 25 and 60, the thing that is occupying more of your time than anything else is the workplace. The thing that's, that's occupying your time more than anything else is what you do at work. And, and so when the Bible talks to us, about work. We, we need to pay attention because work is a huge part of our lives. And, and if Paul says following Jesus Christ makes a difference, then, then we got to take a look at it. And, and, and as we read through this, I want to read through the passage, Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. As we read through these verses, um, just notice that what really Paul is focused on is not as much the work you do as how you, as how you treat people at work. Okay, it's really about relationships. Again, that's this whole section. It's about how you deal with people at work. And and that's big because not only is work huge, one other fact that I didn't put on the list, but one study recently done said 65% of people, 65% of the people in the United States would rather have a new boss than a raise. Relationships are not always that good, <laughs> all right? And, 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 and so as you think about that, as you think about your work situation, as you think about what it was like if you're retired and, and so on, and say, okay, what does it mean? How do, we, how do I as a Christian live in the workplace Here's what Paul writes, starting at verse 5 of Ephesians 6. Slaves, and again workers, obey your earthly masters, bosses, with respect and fear, and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Do what they tell you to do, and do it with respect and with fear, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Verse 7, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, bosses, treat your slaves, treat your workers in the same way, and that's radical, okay? Just think about that. What, what Paul is saying is, you know, the slaves knew they had to obey. There was no question about that. The slaves knew they, had to, uh, they could be beaten if they didn't respect. But now Paul comes and says, if you're a boss... If you're in charge, if you're supervising somebody, those same things apply. You treat people with respect, you treat people with honor, you treat people with dignity, you treat people with integrity, with sincerity, with wholeheartedness. All of those things, Paul applies them in these words. He says, do it the same way. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So I want to think about those words. I want to unpack them and think about what does it mean? Again, this is a huge area for many of us. We spend a lot of time in our workplaces. Some of us don't like our workplaces at all. Some of us like our workplaces. But what does it mean for us to be in Christ in those workplaces? What does it mean to be in Christ as we're dealing with that? And and even for those of us who aren't working right now, we'll see there's some application for us as well. In in order to think about that, I want to ask three questions. The first one is just to kind of get you thinking, and and I want to throw out some of my thoughts, but, uh, you know, this is one where I want you to be adding your own things. It's going to be what makes relationships at work difficult? Why is it tough to be at work? Why are the relationships that we have at work often difficult? The second question we're going to ask is, well, what does Paul call us to do? How should we treat people at work? What does Paul call us to do? And the third one is, why should we do that? And, and that third one is going to be really important in giving us motivation 
and giving us strength to do what Paul calls us to do. So what makes relationships at work difficult? I want to say five things. First two, real quick, they, they apply any relationships, okay? But, but they also apply at the workplace. And, and part of it is we're all different, right? I mean, I mean, we're all different people. We like different things. Some of us are vegetarians. Some of us are meat eaters. Some of us are Republicans. Some of us are Democrats. Some of us are loud and boisterous. Some of us are quiet. Some of us like to watch reality TV. Some of us have brains. No, I'm just kidding there. <laughs> Bless you if you like reality TV. But, but the fact is, we're all different. And just think about it in your workplace, how often it's just like, I just, that person and I are so different. That person and I are so different. And part of the conflict comes just because of those differences, okay? It, it, we're just different people. And, and, and kind of like families, we don't always get to choose the people we work with, right? I mean, if we own the company, maybe we get some of that. But, but we don't always get to choose that. And they're different people. And they don't do things the way we do. And it's always, it, it just be frustrating, right? It can be tough. So we're all different. Second, you, you make that worse by saying we're all sinners, Right. I mean, if, if, if we weren't sinners and there were differences, we'd be able to celebrate those things. We'd be able to say, isn't that cool that we're all different? But because we're sinners, it's like, well, no, then you're wrong, and I'm right. And, and, it's, and, 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 and the fact is, the Bible says in our sinful nature, we tend to be selfish, right? We tend to put ourselves first. So what you've got is a whole group of people. You got a whole group of people, all of whom have a tendency towards selfishness. We talked earlier in our study of this book to say that we're, we're <laughs> irritated. Yeah, just unable to stop being curved in on ourselves. That we just always are focused on ourselves and our own needs. And, and, and so you throw that into a workplace, all right? And, and you have conflict. But there are some things I think that are specifically about workplaces that make it more difficult. The, the first one that I want to suggest is that in workplaces, we often have to deal with power, right? I, I don't think probably any of us, if you do, I'd like to hear about it, but most of us don't work in places Maybe none of us work in places where everybody's equal, where everybody's the same, where everybody has the... No, we generally have bosses and we have, uh, you know, people who, who supervise us or we supervise others. There's generally a rank, right? And, and anytime you have that, it's a bit of a struggle. And anytime you have power issues going on, it's a bit of a struggle. Because when we don't have power, then it feels like, I don't want to listen to anybody else. Right? I mean, we say, you're not the boss of me. Well, at work, maybe somebody is. And it's like, okay, I can't say you're not the boss of me. Jim's not nice. He just pointed at his wife. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that was distracting. Anyway, but, you know, <laughs> but, but that sense of, you know, when we don't have power, it's like, I don't like to listen to anybody else. I don't like somebody else telling me what to do. And yet we are in workplaces, and that's often what happens. We often have people telling us what to do. You might say, well, it's easy for those who have power. That's, that's easy. And I want to say no, because there are at least two challenges for those of us who are managers, supervisors, bosses, owners, whatever you want to call it, employers. There are at least two challenges. And, and the first one is, is one that I think we've got to be honest about, and that is that whenever we have power, we're tempted to abuse it. When, when we do have power, we are always tempted to abuse that power and to just say, you do it because I told you to. The, the, the old saying is, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And the fact is, if you are a boss at work, if you are a boss at work, and you've seen this happen with others, people who are really nice and thoughtful and always kind of thinking about, but then it's like, okay, I got all the pressure, and, I, and, and you know, it's like having kids sometimes just say, just do what I say. 
and, 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 and sometimes it can be just easier to just say, you know, I'm just going to tell you what to do, and I don't care what you think. I don't care. I want to listen to you. I don't want to do any of that. Whenever we have power, every one of us, whenever we have power, if you are in a position of power, you have to be aware of the temptation to abuse it. And if you say, I'm not tempted by that, I just always am, I'm, I'm wrong. If you have power, you are tempted to abuse it. It's just our sinful nature. And, and, and getting into those situations, sometimes we find ourselves doing things just because we can. And it can be really tough. And, and so, you know, it's hard to have power. I and mean, one of the things I think Christians have struggled with, and it's a whole other matter, but, but we've had power in this country for so long. We've really messed things up sometimes because it's really hard to hold on to power. We've used power to control, not free, and other things. And, and the same thing is true in our workplaces. So often, we as power, we're tempted to abuse it. And, and the other thing is, you know, I, I have power maybe, but I don't feel adequate to have it. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how, how this ought to work. I, I, there are problems I don't know how to solve. And, and, and so people are looking to me for answers. People are looking to me to figure out why we're in this sales slump. People are looking to me, and I don't know. And, and so it's like, I want to just give this away sometimes. And, and so part of the struggle, I think, is, is that we often have to deal with power. And, and anytime you have that, right, just think about your workplaces and how much it's, you know, that's their management. And we are, without a doubt, against them. We are, without a doubt, against them, or their labor, and we are against them. So we are, we're dealing with issues of power. Second reason I think it's, it's really tough is we're dealing with issues of fairness. For most of us, work is an exchange, right? I mean, I do work, you pay me for it, or the other way around, you do work and I pay you for it. And, and, and what we say is, well, then it ought to be fair. But remember what I said about being sinners? It's really hard for us to see what's fair, and, and sometimes it's, it's this sense of saying, well, hold on, I'm, I'm working too hard and you're not paying me enough. The, the balance, the scale is out of balance there. And I'm, I'm working so much harder and, 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 and you're just not paying me enough. It's just not fair. Or, or, and again, let's just be honest about it. We feel this way sometimes. You know, I know what you're paying me and it, it might seem like it's fair, but I look at the house you live in. Look at how much money, you know, you just because you own a company, you think you get to have everything and you pay us, you know, just this little amount and you're living high off the hog and, he, and, and, and we can just say this is so unfair and we get frustrated and so on. On the other side of it, we, we've been in situations, maybe if you've been in supervising others, it's like saying, I'm, I'm paying you a fair wage, work for it. We've had those frustrations, right? I mean, where if, you, if you manage people, you say, I don't think I'm getting a fair, I, I'm not getting eight hours of work out of this person. They are at work, but they are not working. I'm, I'm not getting that. And so sometimes it feels like the, the scale goes that way. And trying to keep that scale that way is, and, and keep it even is, is really tough. And, and so there's a lot of conflict about what's fair and what's not fair. And, and it's not just between employees and employers, between management and workers. I, I mean, just sometimes between workers. You know, I do more work than her. He gets paid more than I do. And, and, and think of how many times, again, conflict at work has to do with it's not fair. It's not fair. Again, the parallels between workplace and family have a lot of things, right? I mean, if you, some of you as parents are going, it's like raising, you know, middle schoolers. Yep, it's kind of sometimes what it is to, to manage people. So, you know, so the, the, those kind of things of, of, of getting paid more, somebody, it's just not fair, all right? So we often have to deal with fairness. And, and then the third thing is, is we often have to deal with meaning and purpose, because we spend 10.3 years of our life, because we spend 90,000 plus hours at it, one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, does, does what I do with most of my week matter? 
Does it matter what I do? Does anybody care? Does, does anybody notice anything that I do? Again, think of how often that frustration comes out at work. I feel like I, I worked my tail off on this project and, and nobody said anything. And I feel like if I was replaced, no one would even notice. No one would even care. And, and so we get to issues of meaning. We get to issues of purpose. So those are the five. And, and again, I'm just, I, I wanted to do this partially just to get you thinking about saying, where's the struggle come with you? Why is it difficult for you sometimes when you think about having struggles in relationships with others at work, whether it's a, an empl- a, a fellow employee, whether it's a boss or a supervisor, somebody who's working for you, what is it that's causing it? What, what's, what's behind it? Now, these are some of the things that I think about it. Now, how, do we, how should we treat people, okay? It, it's a tough environment. It just is. But in that environment, Paul says, if we are in Christ, then we will treat people differently. And the first thing that he says, I think, is, is at the core of it, Okay. The first thing that Paul calls us to, this is the key word. These are the key words. We treat people with respect and honor. With respect and honor. Again, verse 5. Slaves, workers, obey your earthly masters masters with respect. And and the, the NIV uses, New International Version uses fear. Again, Trust me, I think honor captures better what, what we want to talk about there than, than fear and what, what Paul is getting at, but with respect and honor. And I want to suggest that that is the calling, that if you are in Christ, if you claim to be a Christian, then whether you are working, whether you're a custodian, whether you're, you're, you're a teacher, whether you're a builder, whatever you are, you need to treat everybody else you run into with respect and with honor. What does that mean? What does that look like? I, I want to suggest that what it looks like is, is giving that person value. It's giving that person value. You know what it is to be disrespected. We feel like people don't give us any value. They don't give us any, any respect, right? They, you, you know what it is. And, and, and so I think what that means is, is you listen. You don't yell. You don't ignore. When, when, and, and again, he's talking to slaves here. And, and if you want to say, yeah, but Ron, you don't know my boss. <laughs> Let me tell you, your boss is better than most of the slave owners in Rome, okay? Your boss might be really bad. But, but think about being a slave, all right? And, and so if Paul says to slaves that they have to respect and honor their masters, how much more to those of us who work for people who are not owners? Respect and honor them. And, and just notice, this is unconditional, okay? This is unconditional. I, I think so often one of the things that, you know, and I think it's kind of in the air that we breathe. Hey, you want my respect, you earn it. Now, I want to live as if you should only respect me because of the way I live. So I want to earn your respect. On the other hand, what Paul says, and this is radical, think about this. What Paul says is is that even if that boss doesn't deserve it, you give that boss, you give that supervisor respect and honor. There is nothing conditional here. There's nothing that said, treat them with respect and honor if they're respectable. Treat them with respect and honor if they're honest. Treat them with respect and honor if, if, if they have integrity. Paul says, no, you treat them with respect and honor. You give them value. You give them weight. You, give, you, you, you respect them and you honor them, and it is unconditional. And, and, and that's why I say this is really tough, because some of you do work for people. Some of you do work for people who, who don't respect you. And it is so hard. I mean, our natural instinct is to say, you don't respect me, I'm not going to respect you. Paul says, I don't care if they respect you or not. You respect them. You respect them. And, and then, again, this is really important, whether we are below or above them. Whether we are below or above them, Paul says, masters, treat your slaves in the same way. 
And, and, and so again, now this for all of those of you who are in supervisor positions, who are owners, who are leaders, and so on. You are called, every person who works for you, you are called to treat that person with respect. You are called to treat that person with honor. Now that doesn't mean you don't confront the person. That doesn't mean you don't challenge. It doesn't mean you don't necessarily fire. Uh, you, sometimes you have to do that. I know all that, all right? Sometimes, and, and, and that's okay. That's not unchristian. But you do it with respect. You don't do it lightly. You don't, you don't just, but you do it with respect. You, you, you treat this person as a person, not as a tool. All right? Not as a tool. And, and I mean that in both senses of tool being somebody who's foolish, but a tool being something you use. I mean, that's what slaves were generally referred to in, in the Roman times. They were tools. And Paul says, no, they're not. They're people created in God's image. They are people created in God's image. And whoever that person is at the workplace, you respect that person, all right? You honor that person. And, and I was reading this week, Scott McKnight said something really interesting that, that I, I had never thought of applying it in this way. But I want, you to, I want to suggest that this idea of respecting and honoring people includes, and it needs to include, when we are shopping, eating out, staying at a hotel, in a hospital, any number of places, right? We say, well, I'm not at work there, but you know what? The person who's helping you is. We have these situations where I'm not at work, but somebody else is. And I think what we need to say is, at that point, in a sense, I'm the master, right? When I come in, the customer is king, right? And, and I used to say, okay, it's your job to serve me. Imagine, imagine if all of us who say we belong to Christ actually became servants, and when we went into a restaurant, said, it's my job to serve the waiter. It's my job to serve. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to go get the food, and I'm gonna, but it means my goal is to help make that person's day better. When I order at McDonald's, my goal is to serve that person, is to honor that person, is to respect that person. And sometimes that's really hard because sometimes they don't get things very quick. And sometimes I can get frustrated and sometimes I can be like, are you serious? Did you go to Hope or something? I mean, what? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That was unfair. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I, see, I'm t- I, I find myself with people, you know, with waiters, waitresses, with clerks. Imagine that if all of us, imagine if people knew that if somebody from Hillside Church, if somebody from Hillside Church comes into the store, it's going to be a great experience. Because they're going to just try to make our lives better. And, and yeah, they're going to try, but they're going to, you know, and, and it applies. Think of if anybody in a hotel, if every time you saw a maid, he said, how are you doing? Hey, thanks for the work that you do. Thanks for cleaning up my room. Thanks for this. Every, every time a nurse in the hospital, uh, anybody in the hospital, whatever, one of the, you know, if we said, you know what? Because we tend to say, again, it's your job to serve me. Why do we want to go out to eat so we don't have to serve anybody else? Guess what? Guess what? Paul says, we're always servants. We submit to one another. We serve one another out of reverence for Christ. Wherever you are, guess what? You get to be a servant. And when you're in that restaurant, when you're in that hotel bed, to say, you know what? I'm still going to treat these people with respect and honor. I am going to do that. Can you imagine the impact that that would start to have? If people knew that if you got somebody, a table of folks from Hillside, not only are you going to get a good tip, please do, but you're also going to be treated with respect and that is so hard. But, but if you get the feeling of that, right, that's, that's, that's what it's like. Because that's one of the places where all of us get to be masters. When, when somebody's waiting on us. If you want to know how hard it is not to abuse your power, 
Try to be a servant in that situation, all right? So respect and honor. Give weight to that person. Give value to that person. Second thing Paul says there is, is with sincerity and integrity, not just kind of trying to look good, okay? Verses 5 and 6. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. You do this with sincerity, not just when people are watching, not just when somebody else is listening, not just when the waitress is at the table. Think of that again. But with genuineness, you say, this is somebody created in God's image, and I am going to respect this person, and I am going to honor this person. And, and again, Paul says, I, and that is so foreign. I mean, most of us have been raised in, in, well, let me change that. A lot of us have been raised with good work ethics, okay? I I think a lot of us have been trying this, so I I don't want to make this. But there's always that temptation, I think, that each and every one of us faces in the workplace to say, you know what, my goal is to work as little as I can today and and to get as much pay as I can. And to say, no, my goal is, is to respect and honor and to, with sincerity, integrity, do everything that the boss is calling me to do. And to do that out of a genuineness uh, out, of, out of my heart, all right? So sincerity and integrity, again, for both employers and employees, all right? To, to bosses, to have integrity, to have that sense of sincerity, to genuinely care about the people that you are leading, that God has given to you to lead. So respect and honor, sincerity and integrity. And then the third one, and, and it's a hard word to translate, but it's with goodwill or wholeheartedly. Verse 7 says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. And, and, and the word in the Greek is with a full heart. And that's why some of the older translations, and I think they had something to this. It wasn't just work as hard as you can, but with a full heart was often used of cheerfulness, okay? It was often used of cheerfulness. And to say, you know what? This is an honor. Again, I, I, I think part of the challenge, when I'm at work, imagine that... Again, if, if you think about it, imagine that Jesus came and I had the opportunity to bring him a glass of water. How would I do that? I mean, I would, I would be a, it would be an honor, and I would respect, and I would honor him, and it would be cheerful, and I would say, I'm just so honored to have this position. That's what Paul's talking about, that, that you treat that person who works for you that way, and you treat that boss that way. I know, people are going to think you're weird if you start to do that, but that's great. Then you can say, you know, I'm doing this because, well, Jesus did it for me. But, but to do that. So, that's how we should work. Respect and honor, sincerity, integrity, and cheerfully with a sense of joy that it's an honor to be able to serve other people, that God calls us into that. So why? Why should we treat people at work this way? And, and this is going to be important for us to understand if, if we're going to be able to do it, because this is not just going to give us a reason, but it's also going to give us strength to do it. And, and, and there are two things that are both really important. The first one is this, because our real boss is God. Our real boss is God. Paul says this four times in five verses. Look at this. Slaves, obey your earthly masters. The fact that he says earthly masters there, and he uses the word kurios, which some of you know is Lord. I mean, the same one that he uses for Jesus is Lord. And, and so, you know, these are your earthly masters. And, and they're important, and you need to respect and honor them, but they're not really your master. When you're at work, you're really not working for the person you see as a boss. Who you're working for is the person behind them, that is Jesus Christ, right? So obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. 
You're working for, for Christ who is behind them. The next verse, obey them not only to win their favor when there is on you, eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ. So what I see when I see that waitress, what I see when I see that person who works for me, what I see when I see my boss is not just that person, but I see Jesus Christ. And when I have an opportunity to work with that person, I have the opportunity to bring joy to Jesus Christ. I have the opportunity to serve Jesus Christ. And so in a sense, what I'm saying is what you need to do is see every person you work with as Jesus Christ. Every person you work with, every, every client you work with, you see them as Jesus Christ, and you say, I have the opportunity to serve Jesus as I do this. Verse 7, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. I mean, you get it? Paul is pounding it again and again and again. Then down to verse 9, and masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he is both their master and yours. Again, I'm not the biggest master on the table here. I'm not the biggest master at that place. I own the place. I sign the checks, maybe, but I'm not the master. The true master is Jesus Christ, who is your master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. And so I might have these responsibilities, but what I'm doing is I am taking care of people because I'm ultimately working for Jesus Christ. I am ultimately working for Jesus Christ. Because God is our real boss, okay? And, and this is just, this revolutionizes our workplace. And, and the church tends to forget this. One of the key things this means is, is that it's not just church workers who are called by God. You know, it's not that, that, you know, we've got three car dealers in the family, two of us who are pastors, they've got a sister who's got a law degree. You say, well, two of us are in full-time ministry, and so we have holy work. We, we, we were called by God. You know, no, my brothers who are car dealers were called by God to be car dealers. And, and they are serving God in the work that they do, just as much as I am. And that distinction that we often make to say that, well, I'm working for God and you're working to pay me. No, your boss is God just as much as my boss is God. Your, your workplace, your boss is God. They're just as much as anything else. All work is a calling from God. Now, those of you who are smart, Alex, no prostitution is not, so all right? Yes, all legitimate work is a calling from God. And so that means cleaning toilets is the Lord's work. You clean that toilet for the glory of God. Selling insurance is the Lord's work. It is. You are serving people and those clients you serve. Selling insurance is the Lord's work. Driving a truck is the Lord's work. You drive that truck for the glory of God. Teaching is the Lord's work. Building is the Lord's work. Whatever you do, your real boss is Jesus Christ. And, 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 and again, you just think about what that means in terms of meaning and purpose. You know, he notices. He, he, he pays attention. In terms of fairness, he'll take care of everything, all right? So our real boss is God. Whatever we do, and, and, and again, you say, well, that's mental gymnastics. In a sense, what I'm trying to do is in the kingdom, we'll be able to see this clearly in the age to come. And so what Paul's saying right now, just remind yourself and live out of the future and, and recognize that whatever you are called to do, you do that to the glory of God. And, and, and your real boss is Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing, all right, because, because our real boss is God. Second thing, again, really important here, because Jesus will reward us for good work. Now, I want to be real clear here. Paul said very clearly, we are not saved by our works. We are only forgiven because of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, all right? But within that, there are rewards. 
And look at what Paul says in verses 7 and 8. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, or each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. All right? So whether you're an owner, God will, Jesus Christ, there, there will be rewards. I don't know what they'll look like. You know, I don't know if it's like extra time on the Wii or, you know, if it's like jewels in a crown or if it's whatever it is. The fact is there are rewards. And if your boss doesn't notice, your real boss does. If somebody who is working for you doesn't, you know, honor the fact that you really respected them and doesn't, you know, that your real boss does. And, and he'll take care of it, okay? He'll take care of it. Again, meaning, purpose, fairness. It's Jesus is going to take care of it. Our real boss is God. And, and, and Jesus will reward us for good work. Um, it, it, it's just, it, it's a radical change. I said when we started this, three, this little mini three parts here that Paul's in, that, that Paul doesn't change the whole system. What he does is he changes and calls us to be upside down in the system. And in the workplace, that is so true that what Paul calls us here is, is, is to turn things upside down and, and, and to change things. And, and so bosses, I, I, Rick, I'm gonna, I hope it's okay. Rick Mead said to me right before, he said, you know what? He was talking with Maya about his workplace and she said, Dad, you're a shepherd. What a great picture. What a great picture. If you are a boss, you are a shepherd. And, and if you're working, you have the opportunity to serve somebody else. And in a sense, guess what? You could shepherd them as well, even if they're... But, but that's the whole image. That's the whole idea. And, and so we conclude this little section, submit to one another, serve one another out of reverence for Christ, whatever relationship you are in. Serve one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray together. Father, it's tough because for many of us, workplaces are battlegrounds. And, and we get frustrated and we get angry, and it's not fair, and it's not right. And sometimes we're guilty of making it that way. So, so root us in Jesus Christ. So remind us that we are dead to sin and alive in Christ. So fill us with your spirit that we can dare to serve those around us, whether we are above them or below them. Teach us to treat everybody we see you and everybody we, we meet, and to treat each other with respect and with honor no matter what the world says about a person's value. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We please stand to receive God's parting word of benediction. Again, following the service, there are going to be some folks in the prayer room there to that side of the auditorium if you'd like to meet with somebody or pray with somebody. People of God, as we go from this place, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ goes with each and every one of us. And may we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Go in God's grace. Amen.